0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm Crystal Martinez-Acosta, your host, and today we're going to be talking about therapy in the times of COVID-19. This episode was brought to you in part by Counseling of El Paso, 6955 North Mesa, Suite 304. You can reach them at counselingofelpaso.com. Counseling of El Paso, helping hearts, changing lives. Guillermo A. Castaneda is joining us today, along with Jasmine Silva. Guillermo Castaneda is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist and the director of counseling of El Paso. He completed his master's in education and mental health counseling at the University of Texas at El Paso and is certified in hypnotherapy by the Hypnosis Motivational Institute. His clinical approach is eclectic as he believes that one size doesn't fit all. His training and modalities range from cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, and hypnotherapy. He specializes in pain management and helps clients who are suffering from depression, emotional distress, or anxiety, as well as relational or environmental stress. He is passionate about helping others connect with their inner self and have strong and healthy relationships. So welcome, Memo, to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me here.
0: And I'm going to read a little bit about our second guest. Her name is Jasmine Silva, Master of Science, LPC intern, supervised by Gerardo Rosas, LPC supervisor. She's recently completed her supervised experience hours. Yay! So she's on her way to full licensure. (laughs) Jasmine has both a counseling and a teaching heart. Prior to entering the counseling profession, she was a teacher at Ascarata Elementary for five years. Her profession in education and postgraduate work inspired her at a personal level to pursue the field of counseling. Jasmine graduated with a master of science in mental health counseling from UTEP's mental health program, KCREP accredited in May, 2018. Currently, she works at Counseling of El Paso where she serves adults, children, and their families. Jasmine is a TheraPlay foundational TheraPlay practitioner and provides interventions based on TheraPlay principles when working with children and their families. So welcome, Jasmine, to the
2: podcast. Oh,
0: thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. So we're going to get started. Today's episode is about therapy in a time of COVID-19, which has been an unprecedented time um, in all of our lives. And so I thought it would be interesting to have a conversation about how we as therapists are dealing with COVID-19, as well as how our clients are dealing with COVID-19. And then having a discussion about what it's like to run a practice during this time, as well as our observations about the general public and our friends and family and our clients. And what this experience has been like for them. I have some questions for you guys. So as some of you know who have been following the podcast, I recently opened my own private practice. I used to work in the nonprofit world for about 10 years. And so that was interesting. Since I'm not there anymore and COVID-19 and all of that started after I left... I've had a little bit more exposure to the private practice world and the group practice world, also. It's interesting to have this conversation because I feel like, as a sole proprietor of my own private practice, but an employee of a group practice, there are certain ways that we've had to navigate these changes. And so, that's something that I want to talk to you about today. And so, the first thing or question that I have for you, maybe specifically Memo, since you're the Executive Director of Counseling of El Paso. um, I wanted to know a little bit about how you made decisions about keeping your practice open during this time.
1: Well, um, one of the things that we had here at uh, at CEP, uh, we even have it in our mission or vision that we're, Looking after our clients, we're looking after our employees. So, if we were to close, a lot of clients would have no help or would have to resort to starting anew with somebody else. So, we needed to keep the practice open, but just with some changes. Also, well, you know, I have employees that rely. on on us being open. If we were to shut down, our employees wouldn't be able to pay their bills, and we wouldn't even be able to pay our bills either.
0: Yeah, that's true. So you're saying that it was a decision based on the client care what we would call continuity of care and being open to make sure that clients have access to their therapist the one that they've been seeing for a while maybe so because you have employees and so those employees i'd imagine just like small businesses everywhere right now or even big businesses having to like either furlough or layoff employees or do something like that it's like because you're conscious of your employees' livelihoods that you have to stay open.
1: Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. It's, we all need to remember that we're all in this together. Even employers and employees are in the business together, and we all need to work as a team.
0: What about transitioning to telemental health? So that's been an interesting thing. I mean, at least for me on my end, in my private practice, I've transitioned almost everybody... I'd say 98% of my clients to telehealth. Um, and I, I have specific decision-making about why I kept some people in person. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about that later. But um, I'm curious to know about your perspective. How did you make decisions about transitioning to telemental health?
1: Um, it's, it's interesting because there was a lot of information and misinformation out there mm-hmm. about the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the things that that we looked at was, is the coronavirus airborne? And is it transmitted just by talking to one another? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were saying yes. uh, Some people were saying no. Mm -hmm. But it ultimately came down to that the coronavirus actually stays on the air in enclosed spaces Mm -hmm. for up to three to four well for three four hours so that's kind of gross right (laughs) (laughs) so like
0: if people cough or sneeze in your office and you have the door closed because you're in session with them and you kind of have to sit relatively close to people right like if especially if you're doing like emdr like play therapy with a kid and you're touching the same stuff or whatever it is, it right. stays in the air. It stays in the air and, like, the air and you have to in. think
1: about the, the therapist, but you also have to think about the next client and the client after. Oh, and true. And the client after. Right. So in our spaces, it's really enclosed. If you go outside, um, if you're in the park and somebody coughs or sneezes, well, it doesn't really stay on the air. It kind of blows away with the wind. It <laughs> blows away with the wind. It doesn't yeah. mean that we, we have to disregard um, the six feet that they're asking us to have. It just means that we're actually able to walk in the park, or we're able to do we're able to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an enclosed space, it doesn't remain that way. So it was a decision that it it was over the weekend that we started getting more information. On mm-hmm. Monday, we had a lot of people scheduled and we decided to just uh, cancel those uh, clients, reschedule them and have a day of let's find out more about, you know, ba- make sure that we know exactly what this coronavirus is and let's see what our options are. And that's where we actually transitioned to telehealth.
0: So, it was a decision made over a weekend, basically like right it was a decision
1: made over like probably Sunday night,
0: oh wow, okay,
1: and that was yeah. and and it was tough because you when you think about numbers um for a business mm-hmm. when you think about the income yeah uh, that's coming in, you do have to see that that one day of shutting down a business it's really painful,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: but we do have to look after uh, our health and that of our clients first.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you really prioritized that, that that was really important to you. So what I'm hearing is like, even though it was a difficult decision, at least financially, right, for any business to shut down for a day is difficult, but you had to do your research, make an informed decision based on like health and safety.
1: Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. It doesn't help anybody um, in this a- day and age. It doesn't help that people get sick. So we can be worried about the economic status, but uh, if somebody's sick, they're going, they're going to uh, have an impact on the economy anyway. And we just True. need to be careful.
0: That's true, because either way, there would be some sort of loss. Just the nature of this disease, it's not just, like, the flu or the cold or something. It's, like, it can have a larger impact, and then there's, like, serious health consequences. So if one of us would have gotten sick, we would have been out for two weeks, and then that would have still been a loss of revenue or whatever. So either way, it would have taken a hit. So it was, like, either now or later
1: (laughs) kind of thing. And on the best, you know, of... of the interest we can say like okay well it's only two weeks, but what if it gets worse? So we yeah. have to think about hospitalization and everything else. So by no means was I gonna have people come over. And I remember that's one of the things that we did. We just shut everything down um, and even locked the door. We're like nobody's coming in. Period. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's it. I mean that's it's it's a decision that nobody should take personally. Because even when we're saying, like, other people around us, it's not a personal thing. It's just looking after ourselves and everybody else.
0: Right. The clients and the employees both. It's not just one or the other. Yeah. What are some of the... We talked about, like, I guess, financially, like, how a business can take a hit. And especially, like, a counseling business because it's very client-based. So if a client doesn't come, there's no... revenue, no billing, Um, and so that's hard, but what are some of the other, like, administrative or logistical steps that you've had to, that you've had to take to implement these changes?
1: Well, the first one is a personal one. Okay. Um, As far as the paychecks, um, we needed to, in, in my household, we needed to cut the paychecks. So... It's only on, the, on a per-need basis, um, and so also at the, at the household, our budget, we had to cut it down entirely.
0: Oh, wow. And okay.
1: that's, uh, you know, little things here and there. Of course, we weren't going, going to go out and, and go to a restaurant anyway. You couldn't anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, most definitely, we were going to have to cut our budget. Um, you know make make phone calls to the mortgage company uh to the utilities companies and then and and to make sure that the employees were able to get their paycheck mm-hmm. and also that they were able to get their their uh health insurance, which is really important, especially right now mm-hmm. so in order for that, you know we needed to to do that we were also looking at the loans and so Uh, one of the things that that I did was apply to several uh, loans and grants. And there are several options for businesses from the Small Business Association. Mm -hmm. And um, there's uh, loans to make sure that paychecks uh, for the employees are there. Um, There's uh, small business loans uh, for emergency funds. And so there's there are all these uh, ways to actually uh, hopefully get loans mm-hmm. um, because they're like on a first uh, first come first serve basis. Oh wow! So hopefully we are able to get in there. Mm-hmm. The Facebook, they're coming out with grants, uh, Lyft Fund, they come out with uh, loans, and uh, for Texas and other states. So there are some other resources out there for business owners, not just mental health, but everybody that's a small business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the like logistical things that you had to take care of as a small business owner. And what are some other things that you've had to implement in the practice to get these things done?
1: Well, um, everybody uh, in the practice needed to get education on telehealth. On how to work with the clients right it's very different having the client come to your office as you as you know mm-hmm. and just seeing them on the camera and trying to make out what their non-verbal, uh language is, because we can't see the whole body mm-hmm. so a lot of things we needed to actually uh, get education from
0: mm-hmm yeah so get training on that because up until that point you guys had never really done telehealth at cep right no okay (laughs) so it was just all like in person everybody coming in for their appointments sitting in the waiting room and then so overnight kind of you had to implement a change of we're going to see everybody over camera yeah Yeah. and so to have the employees be ready for that because you're a practitioner too so it's not just like you're Making the employees like us take these trainings, it's exactly. like you have to do it too. So, yeah,
1: and it's definitely out of the comfort zone mm-hmm. because I think that one of the, the reasons why the counselor doesn't go into telehealth is more than likely that it's uncomfortable.
0: Hmm, yeah, that it's
1: just another way to actually do it, and I'm not gonna sit in there and 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 you know, I already know how to do it in person. Why do I have to learn this whole new? avenue of actually giving therapy therapy so it definitely took us out of our comfort zone
0: yeah and there is a lot to learn uh i know that the training that you got us is pretty in-depth it's like 10 and a half hours or something yes and so there's a lot of like ethical considerations there's a lot of things about the camera and body language and crisis planning and just things that you don't have to think about when you're in person with a client it sounds like you were you made the decision to train your employees to to be able to respond to this and to provide telemental health um but to provide training because the training isn't necessarily required right um, right on the state level at least for licensed professional counselors for LMFTs I think it is required yes, yes. Um, but for us it wasn't required but for you it sounds like that was a, a high value for you to make sure that the employees and everybody working here had the adequate training before
1: doing it right and again thinking about the client first mm-hmm. what kind of quality of service are you providing to the client mm-hmm. and so yeah that, that was very important the insurance companies weren't weren't opening themselves up for this, and uh, they would. Uh, one of the companies would actually say, "Well, you know what? There's you have to use our system, and you have to be signed up with us. And if you're not, then we're not going to cover." But uh, there was a lot of push, and thankfully, one of the the psychology association from Texas actually pushed, and they got this going, and now we're able to provide the. The telehealth to our clients like they need
0: mm-hmm. and it's reimbursable to you it as is. a as a business it
1: is but not mm-hmm. every insurance is the same so we're kind of playing around to to find out how to actually get reimbursed so there's a lot of learning mm-hmm. uh, learning curve there too
0: yeah, yeah. And then insurance already was complicated. Yes. And then throw this in the mix and it's like, let's complicate it a little more. Let's play a fun <laughs> game and call called <laughs> Confuse the therapists." Like, definitely. Let's
1: confuse everybody. Let's
0: confuse everybody, including the clients. Because yes. I know that some people are concerned, like, is this going to be covered under my insurance? I don't know if I want to come see you because... Like what if I'm gonna get charged or if I have to pay a full price or is it covered? Like I I mean, which isn't fair to the client, where before they didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Right. And now it's like it's not this smooth transition sometimes.
1: It's not. And mm-hmm. how do you communicate to the client too that you're not going to be able to see them in your in your office? That from yeah. now on you're going to do it you're going to do it on video. Yeah and not
0: until further notice and we don't know until further notice Yeah, because there's we don't uncertainty. know mm-hmm.
1: and many people were thinking like well this going this is going to last maybe a week or two so you know I'll just see my counselor later. in
0: a couple weeks in a couple of weeks yeah.
1: but that wasn't the case
0: right yeah because yeah in the beginning it was like well let's just see let's just kind of do this transition for two weeks and we'll kind of see how it goes and now it's like shut down till april 30th (laughs) (laughs) and like it just it escalated i feel like it escalated quickly um at first like people weren't taking it seriously including like the government and then suddenly from one day to the next and one week to the next it was like Texas is shutting down, and then El Paso kind of stayed open a little bit, and people even still are, like, not social distancing. That's a, a whole other
1: yeah episode, that's other. maybe, but... Most <laughs> different.
0: Like, then it escalated for us, like, okay, this is serious. Like, we're gonna, you know, have only people travel for essential things, so like attending medical appointments or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine that there's a lot to think about. Um, I know that Personally, as a therapist and as, like, an employee here, but also as, like, a private practitioner, it's hard because it's, like, there are certain modalities and certain um, techniques that I feel work better. Yes. Such as EMDR, right? Like, in person. Like, if people can do the ocular movements with their eyes, it's better. (laughs) Or, you know, research shows that it... Research shows that it's um, more effective that way. And so it's hard. Like, what are you going to do? Like, have the client move their eyes back and forth in, like, an uncontrolled environment? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of hard. And we'll get to more of that, like, practical practice intervention stuff a little bit later. But um, I think as a business owner of a private practice of such a complicated field... Has its own like complications and or its yeah. own considerations, and how are you sleeping at night?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what sleep? seriously,
0: but not seriously. What what sleep? is sleep? What is that? <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you know, one of the things that that um that helps is knowing that I, certain things I don't have control of. Period. Mm-hmm. We're just we're we've been dealt the cards that we have, and we have to do the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And so right now, it, it's, there's nothing that I can do to make this process faster. Um, there's nothing that I can do uh, in order, for example, uh, other than talk to my landlord and make arrangements. Or there's nothing that I can do other than that. Like and just
0: kind of react to whatever comes your way kind of it. thing. That's, all that's you really what we can, can do. do.
1: So mm-hmm. a lot of self-care as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for, not just for the director, but for everybody. I liked going to the gym. I can't go to the gym anymore. Obviously, they're closed. Mm -hmm. And even before they closed, I kind of made the decision not to go to the gym anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's kind of like, okay, look out. How can you work out from home? What can you do? As I mentioned before, you can still go outside, so walk the dogs. My wife and I you know, have more communication. We do more things. We can't go anywhere, so mine's well, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a lot more about what what it is that you can do. Headspace, for example, the meditation. Every healthcare professional has a membership because they decided to do that.
0: Oh yeah, Headspace provided if yeah. you put in your NPI number. They give you a free membership. They give you a space. free membership. Yeah.
1: So now you can even do a meditation. I practice a lot of things to actually be able to. It doesn't mean that I'm not worried, but I cannot allow that to change my my rest. I still need to take care of myself.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, not that you were giving advice. What you were doing is you're just telling us how you're adapting like mm-hmm. to these circumstances. But I think it's really helpful to have that like story and that experience out there because if people are listening they're gonna be able to be like hey I should try those things or hey I relate to that I woke up at three in the morning but I didn't know what to do with myself and so now they have like some ideas about what to do for themselves and so like just the stress of having a small business but also the stress of providing client care and then living in the crisis with your clients it's not like it's something that's happening to the client and then they're coming and getting treated by us it's like we're all experiencing this and so that's that's another element right that we can talk about the next question that i have for you all is what are some of the positive responses and outcomes that you've seen with clients who have transitioned to telehealth
1: one word pajamas
0: Yay, pajamas. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know. And I think that that um uh, as therapists we have that too. You know, we can we can actually do our work they don't see us from from
0: like the waist down down. yeah as long as you don't stand up like be careful with what you wear on your waist down right because if you have to stand up for something better not be just wearing underwear or
1: something you're wearing
0: like at least pajama pants
1: please please don't do your therapy in your underwear
0: yeah like please don't yeah so i like i wear my comfy socks yeah like if i'm at home doing telehealth but or i'll take my shoes off or something because if you did that in person with the client, you'd be like, "Excuse you, <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah, exactly.
1: Why? Why do I have to smell that?
0: Please don't. Please put those back on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the client is doing it from the comfort of their own home,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they don't need to have that commute to your office.
0: That's true, because it could take them anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour, depending on where they live in the city, to come to the office one way and then go back. Or, like, yeah. take time off of work to make their appointment and then go back or yeah. use their lunchtime, time Or even
1: after hours. So now people can do it during their regular day, mm-hmm. and they can just, you know, do have their therapy. Um, it feels a lot comfortable, a lot more comfortable when you're at your house yeah because that's it's your home, it's your safe space right. and it's as like much your own as sanctuary
0: exactly, and as
1: much as we try to provide that to our clients on our own mm-hmm. I mean it is their their sanctuary as you mentioned mm-hmm. so that's that's something that they that they enjoy.
2: the questions that I had was how is a therapeutic relationship still going to emit itself via technology like is it it going to interfere Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have discovered from it is that it's still in existence especially before you know if that relationship uh, was still there even in transition it's 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 pretty impressive to see how it doesn't evaporate it doesn't go away it's still there we're still able able to feel that that Support, that connection, that trust, and um it just varies a little bit, but it's pretty impressive to see how it doesn't stop existing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the doubts that I had, but it's it's beautiful to see how it's still there. Didn't go away. <laughs> yeah, it
0: didn't go away. And I think that's a good point because I wonder about like other practitioners, like if they're kind of hesitant to implement telehealth or like, is it worth the cost or is it, you know, what are we going to do? It's out of my comfort zone. But honestly, even in my experience too, I think almost like it's enhanced rapport mm-hmm. with certain clients. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be able to give me the tour of their house or something, yes. or they're like, here's my dog that I always talk about, or whatever. I don't know, it's kind of almost like this sense of like, I get to talk to you in my element. And so, I don't know there's something about that that changes the relationship for the better. I feel like I don't I can't describe it or pinpoint it. There's something that happens in that transition that's positive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're right. instantaneously in their home. You're right. There. Yeah,
0: like you're invited into their
2: house like yeah yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, one of the things that I've discovered from it is like sometimes um, by getting to know them, they'll share with you pieces of who they are or things that make them them. Mm-hmm. And hey, you remember this thing that I had talked to? It's here. Or like, you know, they get to show me and it takes it, like you said, uh, uh, like to another level. It, it, it deepens that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm smiling as I'm talking because I'm thinking of, like, some telehealth sessions I've had over the last couple weeks, and I'm remembering, like, pieces of stuff that made me laugh or, like... (laughs) Things <laughs> that have happened with clients and they're like, you see, this is what I'm talking about. And then I got to like witness it. Yes. So like, and it's more assessment information for us too, right? There so it's go. like, uh-huh. oh, like that's what you mean when that happens at home or, you know, like that. Exactly. Yes. I got to kind of witness it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's
2: a good thing. One of the things that I've, I've also like uh, discovered, uh, as far as like outcomes, is that the delivery and the approach, uh, while using therapeutic techniques or interventions it requires a little bit more creativity or innovation. For example, something that I, I, I discovered is like, our voice can be the way to help somebody ground themselves. Like, our words are tools also but like the intonation the inflection the pausing all of that becomes like very essential when it comes to like grounding um even like helping co-regulating uh like them perhaps even processing an exercise i know that i have had to rely more on like perhaps uh creative like artistic work like drawing things out or um or even like getting them to describe more, like the the picture, the images that they are um, are, are getting, or even rely a little bit more on them uh, using like like grounding exercises such as their own body, uh, like being yeah. butterfly hug, the vagus nerves stimulation, like things that they have access to. Inherently, even even if they're in your office or not, but they can do on their own. Yeah, it makes me
0: think of what you're describing right now is like having them implement these things themselves remotely mm-hmm. is fostering their independence, right? Which is one of our ethical mm-hmm. duties as right. t- counselors is to have people be autonomous and not depend on us. So it's like, I wonder if this age of telehealth is actually gonna not that it wasn't a thing before but like i think more people were implementing it by the thousands like now more frequently than ever in history uh or in its existence because of necessity right but i think right. like it's going to uh, give clients that extra like push to like be more independent and like use these things themselves because it's kind of like what well, you have to Like, I can't be there with you physically to, like, walk you through some of these things or, like, show you in a certain way in my office. It's like, let me describe it to you, and you're going to try your darndest Mm -hmm. to get it, and you're going to do what works on your end, and it's going to be fine. And look, it worked. And you're fostering their independence, which is really important. You know, we should be doing that from the beginning anyway, but I feel like telehealth really pushes you
2: to do it
1: for the
0: client.
2: As therapists, you know, um, we are always, like, mindful of, like, well, of their privacy, their confidentiality. And I think that we had to really learn about, like, technology, uh, HIPAA compliance and regulations and just really becoming aware of what are the platforms available and how to make sure that their privacy and confidentiality, like it is an informed consent just for telehealth, like learning about it, informing them about, you know, that the limits of confidentiality still exist, even in telehealth, for them to be mindful of their own privacy. And it it, it is an awareness, and we have definitely learned a lot more about that
1: part. And also to, to, to know that the law says you can do something it doesn't necessarily mean go ahead and do it. Because of the circumstances, there, there's no HIPAA compliance uh, that's necessary. Or at least it's when you flexible. Do the, when you do the tele- telehealth, oh. when we're talking about the software. Yeah. For example, you can use Skype or FaceTime or you can do uh, other things. But if we still have other options, which there are plenty of, um, to actually say let's let's still preserve that confidentiality. Let's go ahead and do it. So a lot of research that you know had to be done in order to do that.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is that just because the government temporarily right now has suspended some of those regulations or laws that have to do with like don't use FaceTime and don't use Skype because those aren't HIPAA compliant, right. um, doesn't mean that you should do it and That's true. I think, like, that's part of our ethical code if it's possible, right? I can see how, like in dire straits like if of you're course. in a war-torn area like kind of thing like and you absolutely needed to get a hold of a client or you know right. like I can see how if it were really extreme but if in our profession we're still able to do yeah. the best thing like best practice then we probably should be doing that exactly yeah
2: I, I agree and I think that one thing to consider too is like it might be different for like a doctor or a nurse or a hospital for perhaps they might have to be Able to say, like, here's a zoom in, you know, or, and it, it might not be HIPAA compliant or not, and they might be Skype. But, and right. I can see in those scenarios it is an emergency, and at that point, it's, it,
1: yeah, it's like what it's, you it's do, it's what their you
2: need can. becomes their health need becomes a priority. So, exactly. I understand that, uh-huh. yeah.
0: Funny. I'm mm-hmm. also thinking of, like, what could potentially happen, like, if we get a client that is hospitalized because of COVID-19 and they have to see us, the hospital doesn't give them access to, like, oh, let me get you a computer with Zoom and it's, like, HIPAA-compliant Zoom or, like, right. your simple practice or your thoroughness thingy. Like, mm-hmm. probably not going to happen, but you have FaceTime on Facebook? Okay. How yes. maybe in that very, like, extreme circumstance, like, yeah. yeah. Most- you should do the best practice and ethical thing,
2: right? Yeah. Right. I, I always like a phrase that a, a professor at the university would always say, and his name was uh, his name is Dr. Williams. He would say, "It depends. It depends. Can we do what this? Is? It, depends. It, depends. it depends. It depends. You know." And I think that the circumstance, circumstance, and the context will definitely be important.
0: Oh yeah, depends definitely. Or- mm-hmm. I've heard that as a joke too. Like we should make T-shirts as therapists <laughs> that say like, <laughs> "It depends. It depends." <laughs> I have another question. If there are listeners who are considering starting therapy in the times of COVID-19 where they're probably going to have to do telehealth um, or if there are clients who are already in therapy that are transitioning to telehealth, what would you tell them?
1: Well, I'm going to go with another one. Okay. There's no judgment. There's no judgment when it comes to our side. Um, I I think we were discussing that before about a meme that's out there um, that, my, uh, what's, M- McConaughey? what's his Matthew first McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey. Uh-huh. Matthew um, McConaughey. He's a professor, <laughs> and he's over at uh, UT Austin. Uh-huh. So they put a screenshot of him being in a meeting. They, it, the meme said, if this is what Matthew McConaughey looks like, imagine what we all look like. <laughs> he, didn't look, yeah. he didn't look like Matthew McConaughey from the movies oh lord have mercy and so <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so there's absolutely no judgment and we shouldn't be afraid of how what we look like in front of a camera it's okay
0: yeah mm-hmm. when you're in telehealth as a therapist you have like a little pop-up window yeah. or something yes. with your image yeah. to show so like what yourself. you look like to the client yeah and you see yourself it's yeah like, the other day i had like little pelitos and i was like ah like i can't <laughs> fix them i'm not gonna groom myself in front of the client on telehealth <laughs> but there. yeah
2: yeah no judgment right like it's we're all so trying no our judgment.
0: best here yeah
2: and what i would add is that this is also a perfect timing to to continue or begin counseling services now one of the things that I, I think is important to consider, and I want to like highlight, what you mentioned, is that we're all in it together, including ourselves. What we've realized is there really hasn't been a post safety period. Uh, so, for example, one of the modalities that I I think we all use, we all do use, is EMDR, and one of the the Tenants or the ideas of it is to post safety period. Has there been enough post safety period for them to even uh, reprocess uh, a past event? Uh, in this case, we're still in the middle of it. It's an ongoing event. Um, it's it's really not over. So in the middle of the in the midst of the of the current pandemic because of it. Some lifestyle changes have been made. And the the thing about these changes is that they really impact our physio-psycho-social wellness, meaning our bodies, our mind, and our social wellness. But with that said, some of the things that can help uh, buffer or mitigate any possible traumatic symptoms from the experience is... Seeking, providing, and accepting support. And the reason why this could feel like a traumatic event is because we went from, like if we look at our uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, perhaps we went from uh, social and personal needs to security and basic needs just like being worried about water food toilet paper toilet paper yeah Mm -hmm. you know shelter Mm -hmm. our financial so that's where that piece whenever those pieces are threatened or are questioned it can really have a physio psychosocial reaction yeah so seeking support through
0: Therapy, which would be formal support, right? Formal support. It would be helpful to kind of mitigate those symptoms that could end up being long-lasting or that could end up affecting you or any even acute stuff, right? Like yeah. where you're at, stuck at home with your kids and your spouse and you feel like, I cannot do this anymore, and I just, you know, seeking support from somebody who is not connected to that circle, which would be a therapist could be really helpful yeah and,
1: and one more thing is that how many times do we have when when we're actually going through a crisis where we actually um are able to get the therapy through the crisis i mean when you oh, have true when you have um something going through your life and it's kind of like that event happened the, the crisis happens and then it's kind of like okay now let's look for support afterwards yes yeah we're all in this. And I think that it's it's also one of the things that the therapist understands the client a lot more right now. Because as you mentioned before, we're all going through this together. Mm-hmm. Because the same issues that they're having, we're having. Yeah. In our own household and we're having... It no everything. way to deny so, it. Mm-hmm. So we can actually empathize way more.
0: And have more insight. Yeah. And have
1: more insight into the situation. So... That's definitely something that the client uh, needs to realize that we're there for them.
0: And like we really, we are,
1: really there. are there,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like more than any other time. <laughs> yes, that's right. true. Because I hear clients say, like, "How would you ever know? Like, what I've gone through? Like, you didn't experience that." And I'm like, "No, I didn't experience that." But blah blah blah. And that's like in the past, right? But right now, right. If people told me, "How do you know what I'm going through?" Um, excuse me, exactly. I'm going right. through, <laughs> through it. Yeah, I'm going through it too. So. And it's
1: not to say in the past, this you know we couldn't empathize with them because we can. Because you know that's part of our training and that's part of our being yes, to absolutely. be able to empathize with them. But this is a totally different situation. It's a different world. Yeah,
2: definitely. It reminds me of a quote that I had heard in a conference about regarding compassion, and that we will understand uh, the depth of somebody's pain or suffering as as far as we have gone in our own when it when i heard that it, it was really powerful but now i realize like yeah it's true you know if as we are going in this we're also going further in our ability to have that compa- compassion for others as Most well definitely. yeah and then also
0: addressing our own needs like you were talking about earlier memo about like self-care and making sure that you are going to your own therapist or whatever it is that you have to do um, like that you would do regularly as a, mm-hmm. as a therapist not in COVID-19 right. times um, but it's way even more important now I think because of how this is playing out like it's all of humanity kind of thing how do therapists set up a telemental health space so for those people who are listening that are practitioners that haven't yet decided that they're going to do telehealth or they're a little hesitant or they're kind of confused about like what they should be doing or how they should set up their space. Um, What are some ideas or what are some things that first of all, what we would tell our clients. So how do we prepare a client for a telehealth session?
2: Right, and um, I think that we've tried uh, a couple of ways and one of the things that uh, we learned is that it's very important to uh, normalize what's going on even when we are doing that first phone call, letting them know that we are transitioning into telehealth, but also reminding them that it's still basically going to, that there's still value to meeting. Uh, because sometimes what happens is that they are under the impression that it's no longer a session if it's not in the office. From research that has been done, that, that it still has the same effects, like positive outcomes, as an office visit. So it basically, you know, um, it'd be like letting them know that uh, due to, what's going on. We've decided to transition to telehealth services, so you will still continue to receive your counseling or your therapy services, but now it's going to be via video conference or a phone call. Uh, Typically, it helps to give them options to see what they would feel more comfortable. Uh, We have learned that in some cases, uh, clients feel more comfortable with a, a phone call. Oh, like not being seen on video. See, exactly. Um, so there are formats, there are ways to do it uh, with the platform that we use. That is helpful. Uh, some clients, uh, it's also good to let them know that they're not forced to, that they have an option to wait. I mean, that's autonomy and that's that's their own ability to be able to willingly consent mm-hmm. to the telehealth instead of feeling like, they're forced. Either, you know, we can continue these the phone call or, uh, or, vi- or, or video call, telehealth. If there have been uh, clients who have said, you know what, I appreciate you very much, but not right now. I don't feel comfortable with it. I just don't. And that is completely respected. And uh, so basically we, we've been following up with him. We do like a check, we'll call like within that week or the week after just to do a wellness check. Hey, um, I'm thinking about you. I just hope you are well and uh, your family's okay. Please know that we're here in case you need anything. And I think that that is very helpful and valuable. I do have a background in online teaching, uh, and I giggle because I'm just getting images of, <laughs> of hi, you know, like the like you know the the, the, the energy, type of like energy, energy yeah, the yeah. shared yeah. when I was uh, so I used to be a teacher at a VIP Kids, and uh, so that's the platform that was used as the company that had hired me, and I did online teaching, and one of the things that I did was able to transfer to the telehealth is just like. Things like the sitting arrangement, making sure that the camera was like at my level so that the camera was not inclined like at an angle so that they don't feel like um, they can feel like they see you lighting. Natural light is better. Maybe putting a little bit of uh, a little bit of color in the lips just so that they can see, you know, little things that I learned from there uh, have been able to help me transition to just have a nice setup. Uh, For example, I position the camera behind the bookshelf just so that they can feel like, you know, um, in in our case, we're we're still coming into the office. I I chose to come into the office and uh, just use the camera there. So those are things that uh, have been useful to set up as far as on our end. Mm -hmm. For the clients, uh, we do have to be more intentional. And I learned that we need to ask them, are you in a private place? Do you feel comfortable talking? Do you have privacy? Do you have headphones? Because your privacy is very important and we want to protect it. I've also uh, made sure, like when I do the telehealth co- informed consent, uh, we do ask for no recording of, of the sessions, you know, because sometimes they might think like, and it, it is in the consent form, we, we have sent consent forms just for telehealth, but I think that's important. So that's basically kind of like the preparation part of it. On. Yeah. On our end. <laughs> and
1: the, the privacy is really important. And even if they need to go to their car, by yeah. all means, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can, we can have that. And I think that telehealth has that flexibility, even when we're, you know, in our, we can't even go out of our house. We mm-hmm. still have flexibilities. Yeah. And that's important, too. To understand.
0: Yeah, and I think for us as therapists, like if we're working from home and we're seeing clients, because I do that for my private practices, I work out of my home. I just kind of like arrange for a child care and then I go to an area of the house that doesn't have a lot of like... Um, people or traffic around. So, um, if people were to pass by in the door, like they wouldn't be able to hear what I'm talking about. I use headphones and a headset taking care of as much as you possibly can. Like on your end, understanding that still the internet is crazy and a crazy place. (laughs) And like people will hack things and like whatever and making clients aware of that fact that like, okay, well, you know, there are just some things that aren't in our control or whatever. Or, like, you're going to have whatever, like, your mom or your suede or, like, whoever trying to listen to the crack in the door. Like, <laughs> try to be careful with that, you know, if that's something that's an issue. Um... I have to put my dogs away because they get all crazy. Like, when they hear me talking, like, I don't know. It's like they want to talk too or something. So they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, guys, stop. So I have to, like, put them away. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a different thing.
1: And that was even one of my, my decisions to come to the office because I also have dogs. And I, I, I was like, no, they're not going <laughs> to let me do anything. I might just as well do it from the office. But the internet. Internet is a lot faster over here.
0: True, yeah. So like all the technological issues too. Yeah. Right? Like if you if somebody times out or freezes, like you have to be able to do a backup call or like get onto instead of Theranest or simple practice like Doxy or something. Right. So like quickly transition to something. Like it happened to me yesterday. Yes. Um, so I had to like do Plan B. You know. Yeah, so like yes. being prepared for things like that. Um, is interesting and to have to have that infrastructure like we were talking about the very beginning like being prepared for telehealth but also like you have to kind of learn with what happens yes, and adapt things come, like things yeah. things come up and you just have to adapt to them so that's true what are some struggles that you've observed in the local and larger community when it comes to coping with COVID-19 or the coronavirus
1: the lack the, the, the lack of information and also the misinformation that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to how many people don't understand what we're going through, just seeing them not taking the precautions uh, is very stressful. As if I'm driving without a seatbelt. Well, you know, fine, I'm going to be the one that's exposed. And if I have an accident, I'm going to have the consequences. But when we're talking about somebody that's not taking the precautions, it's not only affecting those around you, but then the people that are around them and around them, and it just grows like a little chain. Yeah. With the family members. And understanding, like, hey, you need to, to be educated. And let's, let's talk a little bit more. Because uh, sometimes it was seen like, well, you know, it's just like the flu. Well, and then you find out it's not like the flu. On the personal note, um, my parents are over the, the, the age limit. So I told them, you stay home. And you're not coming out of the house. Yeah. It's and, like role reversal, and, right? It's yes, like <laughs> it is a role reversal. My, yeah. my dad's a therapist here. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he, he works with hypnosis. And I had to tell him, like, hey, you know, not even coming to the office like we are. You're, you're absolutely not getting out of the house. Like,
0: you're not allowed to leave the your yeah. house. You're grounded. You're grounded. I don't know. You're
1: grounded. <laughs> and uh, if you need anything, by all means, let me know. And so, I but only in emergency. Because I'm not going to go uh, shop every day or every week. Yeah. So, if you're running out of food and you really have nothing else... And then I'll go and I I did, I went to the store, I bought them food and put it in the trunk of their car. They had to see me from the door and I'm like, here it's, here's the food. Goodbye. Yeah. And so those things do change and it's kind of different because they're usually the ones telling us, like you mentioned, you know, it's a role reversal. Be careful. Take care of yourself. And now it's kind of like, no, you take care of yourself.
0: It's not the millennials you want. It's Gen Z because (laughs) millennials are cooped up in their houses with extreme anxiety. And I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial or whatever. (laughs) And then... I'm yelling at my parents to stay home because they're baby boomers. And I'm like, stay home. So it's like, it's not us you want. Go after the younger ones because, like, I ain't leaving the house. And I'm yelling at my
2: parents to stay home. What else have you all noticed? So, for example, a lot of the children are now being technically homeschooled and uh, their parents now have had to have multiple hats, multiple roles Mm -hmm. for example one, the first one is like being a parent right but then they have the uh, additional roles such as like being the teacher and the counselor and the administrator and they still have perhaps their roles as their employees oh yeah and employees on top of that you know we have to add that too because a lot of Uh, parents are actually working from home. Mm -hmm. So that has been something that is interesting to see. Like you can really see the roles that the different hats people are wearing, but there is also like this fusion of all of them. And it can be really hard for families to be able to balance that out and being able to determine like how flexible do I have to be? How structured do I have to be? It can be really difficult to be able to identify roles, routines, and structure just in your day-to-day because perhaps you're used to your own routine as an employer, and employee, you know, and then now seeing it fused in the same household, but now you also have to have your teacher hat mm-hmm. and also the the parent had and the spouse had if if there's a spouse you know it's it can be very very stressful for family strangers most parents. definitely um i
0: also noticed like My clients and other people in general just wanting to kill each other, you know, like on a regular (laughs) basis, like uh, they're cooped up with people and they can't leave the house. And there's that element or people who are in like isolation because they have symptoms or they've been told that they were exposed. So it's like you got to be in your room by yourself for two weeks completely in isolation it makes me think of what that can do to somebody's psyche and like how we're social creatures and Mm -hmm. connections really important to humans and so thank god that there's technology right like they're able to like facetime people or talk on the phone with people And as a therapist, I think, like, what is that doing to people's family structure? What is that doing to the dynamics? What is that doing to their mental health? Like, I can totally understand why people are experiencing a lot more anxiety or depression. Um, And I was having this discussion with you guys the other day about, like, how with my clients who have depression... We focus a lot on, like, behavioral activation Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. get out there and do the routines and socialize and, like, exercise and go to the gym. And now you can't do any of that crap. So what Mm -hmm. are you going to do? You know? Mm So you have to figure out for your clients and be creative,
2: like, what... Are you going to have them do? The, the thing that comes to mind is like the art of counseling, the art of therapy. Like that's, we really dig in there a little bit more as far as like our own creativity, right? To be able to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, <coughs> so what are some... Oh. <laughs> They spray you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave that in there in the podcast.
1: By the way, you should know that I didn't You coughed it to your
0: elbow. Good job. Good job coughing into your elbow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Into your
2: elbow.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um so other than wash your hands, what are some recommendations to the listeners of this podcast what are some things that you could recommend in
2: general to people that are
0: listening right now
2: as therapists a memo and i were having this conversation about like routine and flexibility and i think that's something that that is very important to have both structure yet flexibility because these are different circumstances that it might not look exactly like it is when we go to school or like when we go to soccer practice.
1: If I usually work from eight to five and then child is at school, um, I usually do certain routines and this is something that I'm not gonna have now at my house. Also, children, well they're not supposed to be exposed to video games so much. And they're supposed to have other things to do and go outside and and play or, and being being exposed to other other situations. But if I'm a parent and I'm working and I have my child in front of the TV or or in front of the the video game, it's really the best that I can do right now. And it, it I do have to realize that it's temporary, but. We're not on their ideal type. So it's okay. It's okay to have that flexibility. It's okay to not feel bad about having our children huh. doing things that they wouldn't do otherwise.
2: Right. Like what you're doing is enough. Whenever you have to make adjustments or be flexible, you just communicate that to the child. Let them know under these circumstances right now, typically maybe you might not play as much, But uh, this is only temporary. We're just going to do this for a little bit. And then once we get back to the routine of things, then we'll go back. And I think that helps them also understand that during uh, difficult times or changes, it's good to be flexible. It's okay to adapt. And and get structured as much as possible. Most definitely.
1: But if you're, say, in your house and you can't go out for any reason, um, I have some friends that I liked what they did. They actually brought a tent and they put it in the backyard and they're like, "Okay, we're camping Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or, uh, you know, we can't go out because of the rain. Tent inside the house. Mm
0: -hmm. We're
1: camping inside. Anything that that's different and just using our imagination.
0: I think that there's also like a benefit to all this, even though it sucks and it's different to live this way in the times of COVID-19. But what I can't help but notice as well is that people are spending more time with each other. Whereas before, like, families wouldn't sit with each other and eat dinner together, eat lunch together. There's that opportunity now. There's also that opportunity of parents who would work a lot like, for example, in my household, my husband is an athletic trainer, so he works, like, coaches hours and, like, beyond that sometimes. And so having him be at home with our son is really, I consider it to be a blessing because it's, like, I get to have him around and we get to play and we get to do all this stuff where before, like, that maybe would not have happened or that would have been, like, a rare, rarer circumstance. And so I think, like, families everywhere are experiencing... Things where we have to slow down. Like, we have to. We can't just, like, get up and go and do this and that and blah, blah, blah and, like, arrange for childcare and, okay, gotta go by and, like, see people for five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. Now it's, like, there's opportunities for quality time, for quality play, for quality communication, for face-to-face communication, for all these things that we, I think, have forgotten about, like, as a society for a while. And I think it's making us... Really reevaluate like what's important, what's priority. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of positives that can come out from this. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things that we may have taken for granted before, now we're able to appreciate.
2: Gary Landreth, a a play therapist, he, he even recommended one of them is to reduce the exposure to news, and instead, especially for the little ones, um, for children or adolescents, one of the things that um happens is that every time we are being exposed to like the news it, it it's like turning on like a fire like the the stove on and putting it on high like broil right it, it has a naturally is going to have a response in in the body in our brain but if we're constantly turning it on uh like uh, like dr bruce perry explains it doesn't give the body enough time to just even regulate like come down from that intensity when they were hearing it and for the little ones and children and since they typically don't have enough resources in themselves within like uh, uh, biologically, physiologically to be able to regulate all that stress that comes from uh, seeing parents nervous looking at the news, seeing images, perhaps that might be left there as memories. So that's something that, uh, what they would recommend is stay informed, but have a ritual a routine around it. For example, um, Perry, he explained, do do not see the news at least an hour and a half before going to bed, right? Um, And then if you do check in into the news, do something that helps you regulate your body, something that actually helps you feel like in control.
1: Yeah, meditation, um, journaling.
2: Hobbies.
1: Hobbies, yeah. I'm going to come out of this as a great piano player.
2: Are you really? Yeah. Uh Cool. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. That's
1: funny. Yeah. Most definitely. Music. Music Mm -hmm. helps. And it should be on at all times in the household.
0: I also wonder like if people have like those sound machines with like nature sounds and stuff to like put them on, like have plants in their house so they have some green, like if they can't leave their homes, um, even like watching images or having your screensaver on like things that are like waterfalls or plants or things like that can be helpful yeah these yeah. are all really good and, suggestions. and there, are, there
1: are many uh sites that have free workouts right now like oh true people, people have actually put them out they used to charge for them and they're putting them out uh the Thor, i can't remember the actor's name oh yeah he has he even has his workouts and he's like oh, okay we'll just go and you get a free month
2: Oh, and that's just, really just nice of him. That. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I would add to stay connected, like, a, like a emotionally or socially connected to a loved one, a friend, a neighbor. You know, a, a quick phone call, you know, a leaving a voicemail. Sometimes that is, it could be very sweet for somebody to hear on the other end, a text message.
1: And uh, or a video call.
2: The other thing
0: I want to do is give you the time and space to talk about a webinar that you all are going to be hosting.
1: Yeah, so uh, if you go to our our Facebook page, uh, Counseling of El Paso, we also have an Instagram. Um, Helping Hearts, Changing
2: Lives. (laughs) There you
1: go. Helping Hearts, Changing Lives. And um, we're going to hold a, a webinar. Uh, in which we're going to be able to give tips to how and expand a lot more on what we've been talking about and how to actually um, be able to be anxiety-free or as much as possible or stress-free at home. Stay tuned to our Facebook page and the, our Instagram. Uh, again, Counseling of El Paso. And we're going to give you a date and a time when we're going to be able to, see, to do this.
0: Okay, and if anybody wanted to sign up for telehealth services with you all at Counseling of El Paso, what can they do to reach you?
1: Well, they can call us. Uh, our number is 915-209-1234. Pretty easy. 209-1234. They can go to our website, uh, com.
0: And... All our practitioners are bilingual, and they offer hypnotherapy, EMDR, CBT, play therapy, a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. So if you're wondering where to get counseling in these times, you can do that, reach Counseling of El Paso. I'll also put the links to their uh, Facebook and to their website on my podcast page. So in the show notes below, you'll be able to find... Um, counseling of El Paso resources and some uh, ways to reach out. So I just wanna say thank you to Jasmine and to Memo for coming on to the podcast today and lending us your expertise on what it's like to live through these times of Mm COVID-19. And thank you for offering your webinar and your resources to the El Paso community.
2: Oh, we are very thankful for you. Thank you for inviting us and allowing us to have this, your platform and to be able to uh, share our message or, you know, whatever information that is useful both to to um, the community um, and uh, anybody who might be uh, needing an, an a little extra support. So thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, we thank you for, you for very, having us over much. and,
1: and yes. thank you for what you're doing. Because yes. this, uh, you know, being able to have the podcast and reaching out to all those listeners is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. thank you so much thank you. thanks for listening to through the eyes of a therapist remember that you can reach me at www.throughtheeyesofatherapist.org you can listen to this podcast on podbean or any other podcatcher and thanks again to counseling
1: of el paso